Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk some OU football by discussing OU NFL players going back to their college numbers, and we break down the pros and cons of OU Texas being played at night. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we translate some of Sam Presti's best quotes from his end-of-the-season press conference, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, May 24th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in May from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Wildflowers and Winnings promotion. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Just a reminder, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Ted, this weekend was like drinking from the fire hose of sports <laughs> there was especially sunday what there was the pga championship nba playoffs nhl playoffs premier league if that's your thing baseball if that's your thing OU softball like there was everything happening and 
the thumb the thumb on the recall button or last channel button whatever you use in if you use multiple TVs it was it was getting worked well in addition to all of that all of you know all those sports if that wasn't enough i got into a tv show sports related ted lasso so you can add that on top of everything okay so the wife and i Knocked that out. What was it? Two weeks ago. Yeah, I loved it. We watched it in like three days. It was. It's incredible. Absolutely I stopped, incredible. I agree. I I stopped last night. I was like, I really want to hammer through the rest of this this season, but I'm I want to save a little for for later. So I stopped. But it was awesome. I loved it. I cannot wait for season two and yes people listen to this like you guys just watched ted lasso it's been out for a long time yeah sorry you know we hey it took a while to get to it yeah i just saw people talking about it recently for whatever reason i I don't know if maybe you mentioned it did you mention it on twitter maybe that's where i I saw it i I had been tweeting about it and it is i mean it's fantastic i don't know how else to put it like i agree i remember people talking about it during you know kind of right during the middle of the pandemic like oh what a breath of fresh air with what we're going through all that stuff man it's good anytime i i mean we're on the back end of this thing we're back to normal pretty much and it was still fantastic yeah i loved it it was great i could have watched the whole season in two days that's pretty much it's pretty much what i did (laughs) it's that good okay ted let's get to the ou football stuff and let's start with this a lot of OU guys in the NFL changing numbers. And uh, I, I found this really interesting, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because we, we had Sterling Shepard on last week. He's going back to number three for the Giants. Kenneth Murray comes out this week on Twitter, said that he is dropping 56 and will be going back to number nine there for the Los Angeles Chargers. So the return of K-9, which, thank God, that's one of the best nicknames. Uh, I'm glad he was able to get nine. And then Hollywood Brown is ditching number 15 for the Baltimore Ravens, and he's going back to number five. So do we just have to start calling OU like single-digit U or something? you got to be a U for something. like They're just switching left and right, man. I love it. I, I think it's great. Um, single digits, you know, that's that's the thing. There's nine of them, and everyone on the team wants them. You know, every single guy on the team, whether, you know, I guess offensive linemen are out, but everyone's always wanted to wear a single digit. You know, you feel faster in it. You feel you feel like a star player. Stars wear single digits. That's, what, that's how it goes. And kickers, stars and kickers. Stars and kickers. And sometimes <laughs> kickers are stars. Sometimes, Teddy. To your, to your extreme disappointment, right. sometimes the kicker can be a star player. Now, the new rule with all the numbers, we're going to see a lot of this. And I, I do like, and Kenneth, Kenneth Murray mentioned it, and Hollywood mentioned it as well. Like, hey, they appreciate everyone that has bought the old jersey, but there's something about numbers. Man, I, I, will, I will never forget. I, I'm signing with the Tennessee Titans I'm on the phone. They ask me what number I want. I ask if 64 is open. It's open. I'm feeling good. I get there, and they've got 
my last name on a jersey that's got 61 on it. And I <laughs> was heartbroken. I mean, I was heartbroken. I took it. I was like, this is not the way I wanted this to start. But I, it's weird how, I don't know if it's psychological or what, but like a number, it does, it, it means a lot to players. What number did you wear in high school? 84. So, and I wore 84 my first year at OU as a tight end. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to 64. That, that was my logical progression right there. I was like, hey, it's 84, but minus 20. And I was like, ugh, 74, ugh, 54, <laughs> gross. 64, not too bad. Uh, so for anyone listening, Gabe's uh, garage code is 8464, and his email password is some combination of his dog's names with 8464 at the end of it. In Correct. Thank God. <laughs> now there was a time where you would have been on to something, sir. There was a time where, uh, yeah, that you, you could have just had someone break into all my bank accounts. Tell me, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Sorry about that. I was, I was encouraging you to change it, but I don't know what it is, man. We are, we're so tied to numbers and I, I guess whenever you play a sport, it's, it's just kind of your identity, you know? Um, I remember when I was growing up, like I never played for a team that had my name on the back of my jersey until I got to college. And that was like the coolest thing ever. Before that, like the only way anyone recognized you was your number, right? That's that's what you wore. That was that was that was who you are is your jersey number. And it's it's important. Whenever you're young, you start off usually by picking a favorite player and rolling with that uh, mimicking someone. And sometimes you're just handed a number and you roll with it and it, you stick with it. I don't know. I, other than it just like turning into your identity and, and it's almost like when, whenever you can wear a number, it's almost like an alter ego in sports. You know, whenever you put that Jersey on, you slip into a, a, a new mindset or something. It's like Lincoln Hawks and over the top, flipping the hat around backwards. When you put the jersey on, it's got that number. You could be a different person. And that's why I, I think because I've seen some people being like, well, why are they all switching? Like, why is it that big of a deal? Fans already have their jersey. You know, they're going to have to buy a new jersey. It's it, it's weird to describe. It just makes a difference. I don't know. You just feel different. Yeah. Uh, they're going to feel better. When they put when they get ready to go play a game, they're gonna feel better. I I don't know how to describe it except for it's well everyone's got a favorite like t-shirt or article of clothing that you feel like uh is the most comfortable, fits you perfectly. It's your favorite t-shirt for a reason because the biceps pop in it, or or there's some reason everyone's got a favorite article of clothing. And when you put a, when you put your Jersey number on that you're used to and you like, it's like slipping into your favorite article of clothing, man. You feel confident. Is there a, is there an alternate universe, like your career on an alternate path where you got to wear 11 and you're like the yeah. best linebacker that ever played hall of famer. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, oh God. 54 was a trash number. I'm it's so sorry. so horrible. All 50s are bad. <laughs> they and really are. It's just, it's so huge. Like your number takes up your entire chest and back. 
it's bad. It looks slow. It's awful. Would have given anything to be able to wear eleven or a single digit. I would have. I even though I never wore a single digit, I would have loved to have had that rule. And I was like, I'm ditching the fifties. If I can't have eleven, I'm going single digit. There's no doubt. If you would have been able to wear eleven, you never would have Liz Franked your foot. Mm-mm. You, which never would have altered your entire career. You would have gone to several Pro Bowls. Never missed a game or practice wearing 11. I'm sorry, man. Dang it. I'm looking for that wormhole to that alternate universe. Like not to make this, not to make this entire thing about you, but like now that I think about it, you were just in the wrong. Like if you would have been playing now, (laughs) like just a linebacker that could have been light and you could just run like crazy and wear number 11. Like it is. I'm not trying to make you sad. Timing timing is everything, and I ain't got it. It's okay, man. Yeah. It's okay. All right. Well, This universe is going just fine. I love this universe. Part of me wonders if OU fans that have already bought, you know, Kenneth Murray and Hollywood Brown and Shep's jerseys will be mad about this whole thing. But I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of people out there, but I think the diehard OU fans will love them going back to the college numbers. And I got a feeling they're going to buy, oh, OU fans are going to buy sure. those jerseys. 20 years from now, there's going to be a market for players that only wore uh, ugly numbers for a brief period and slipped back to their college single digits. And if you've got that jersey, it's going to be a, it's going to be worth some money maybe. Yeah. That's a way good. to think about it. It's good. Good way to think about it. <laughs> Someone's like, I got to pay another hundred bucks, dude. I don't care what you say. <laughs> okay. So last week we talked about OU Texas being picked up by ESPN ABC this year. And the kickoff time for that game won't be announced until closer to the game. We assume it'll be an 11 a.m. game, but there, there were a few tweets that made some headlines this week, Ted. And it, it all started with Texas defensive back Deshaun Jameson putting some something out there on Twitter that said, quote, I wish the OU game was at night. Threw in a thinking emoji in there and then said, that would be lit. I believe that I believe that's another way the, the kids say that would be cool. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. lit oh he wasn't talking about like the field would actually be lit by the the lights well it i i don't know if he was or not maybe he knew <laughs> what he was doing there a little play on words little from play our on man sean jameson pun intended nicely and done, also buck. also you kick that thing off at 7 30 someone may light the field on fire too so it could <laughs> actually be lit but 24 7 sports takes that tweet turns it into an article, and interestingly enough, OU's own Nick Benito quote tweets the article and said, I second this. So this has led to a conversation basically of the possibility of OU Texas being a night game. Ted, I'm a big pros and cons guy. Mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my thing. If I am problems, benefit analysis, I am I'm big on and I'm like, I'll write it out. I'll write out the pros. I'll write out the cons, compare them, and we're rolling with whichever column looks better to me. 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a simple man when it comes to that stuff. So we have heard for years people push back on this being a night game. So before we get to the cons, let's go over the pros. Mm-hmm. If that game was played at night, let's say it was a 7 p.m. primetime kick, in your mind, what would the pros be? Well, any any night game, it, 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 there's no doubt that it has a feeling of a, a bigger atmosphere, a bigger game, a higher level of importance. Um, that's not always the case, but you feel like if you're the last one to play that day, there's a reason, right? We're, 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 this game is so big, we're saving it so everyone in the country can sit back and watch it take place. So I think that's definitely one of them. Um, from, from a fan's standpoint, I mean, there's a million pros. Like It's easier to get to the game. Well, let's back up. Friday night can be a lot more fun without that 11 a.m. kick. And even the 2.30 sometimes there's – there's some people sleeping through that wake-up call. <laughs> some stragglers. <laughs> there's some stragglers. So Friday night, I don't think there's there's um, there's going to be a lot more going on, and I don't feel like the all-out panic rush to get down there it, like through through Friday afternoon is nearly as bad. I think people can feel like they can be a late arrival on Friday and and not miss the entire weekend. Uh, obviously game day, you know, you can start whenever you want and you can be primed for the event, so to speak. So, uh, I, I think there's, uh, we could go through pros all day long. I mean, I, I think you know, for the players, just having that, that stage, I mean, OU Texas is one of the biggest games in the year. One of the biggest rivalries in the country, um, especially when both teams have it going and who knows what, what, what you know, Texas is going to look like this year whenever they're if it's going to be a ranked affair or not but I mean I I think that it's it's huge to have a lot of people just it doesn't feel like it's as big as some of the others maybe because we've never seen it in prime time yeah so I wrote down my pros so for the players you're right I mean prime time it, it makes the game feel bigger it makes it feel more important. It makes it more fun for the players. Now, as far for the coaches and the staffs, like it would be way better for recruiting. A lot of people forget that whether now it depends on if you're the home team that year. It's it can be a big recruiting weekend. A lot of people can get to Dallas for that game, especially some of the top talent in the state of Texas it would be a lot easier for them to get there and maybe the coaching staffs would get to spend more time with them if it was a night game, right? So I think the recruiting aspect of things would ramp up. I think more big-time national recruits would come to the game if that were the case. And maybe you get some more kids to go to OU in Texas and that makes the Big 12 even better because they actually get to experience that game because it is one of the best games in all of college football it's just hard to get to since it starts at 11 a.m. If you're an out-of-state kid, I mean that's just that's just true. I I, I think the atmosphere would be incredible. I mean, you talk about you? the best atmospheres in sports. 
that one would be it would be unique. It's already unique. But I think, like you said, if if people were lubed up, ready to roll all day, they had got to have a little more fun Friday night. Uh, I think that would carry over a little shampoo effect for the old crowd. <laughs> it would be great. But I think everything about it from a player's perspective and a fan perspective would be really good, except for a few things. I got one more pro before we go to the cons. Ooh, I like I just it. thought of it. Give me all the pros because I'm starting to talk myself into wanting OU Texas to be a night game. Yeah, here's one more. Um, other than the surface of the sun, the Cotton Bowl in Dallas is the hottest uh, area ever ever laid foot on. I guess we didn't lay foot on the sun, but you know what I'm getting to here, okay? It is, I don't care what the temperature is. It's scorching hot in that game. And playing at night would save a lot of people a lot of pain coming out of that game. Every year, I'm walking out of there after post game, laughing my ass off at all of the lobster red people walking around out there. <laughs> Drunk and sunburned. And I am one of those people, as you know, Ted. I'm very, I, I have a very fair complexion. I'm very white. Now, I've learned my lesson over the years. I'm going like SPF 70 lather up, for baby. that game. I am, I'm in a full lather, which caused me to be very, very sweaty during that entire game. But it's better than being sunburnt. I think last year was the first time that I had not gotten like thoroughly roasted by the sun during that game because I literally I was like I'm making the effort I'm putting sunscreen on like every hour and a half I'm doing I'm reapplying I brought my own sunscreen even and it was it was still hot but that would be the it would be nice yeah not to just sweat our ass off that entire game that'd be nice it helped it counteract some of the alcohol I think you know and maybe not maybe not enough but Whew, whenever you combine that sun beating down and a lot of booze there around two thirty, three o'clock, it gets pretty nasty out there. I remember when I played in the 2000 game, it was like 55 degrees and, and raining. And I was like, huh, this is, this is pretty nice. This is football weather was not prepared next year. And I don't, it, it wasn't even that hot, but there's something about that stadium. It's all the concrete surrounding. I don't know what, but it is, it'll melt you. At least 10 times during the four games I played in that stadium, I went over, sat on the bench. It was like, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> oh my God. I think, I don't know. You're, you're right. It's like, I, I don't know what it is. There, there's probably some engineer out there that can explain it to us. Why I think it's, it's probably all the, uh, the fryers outside at the uh, making all the funnel cake and deep fried butter and all that that are just heating the area up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the cons, if OU Texas was to be played at night, the first one that everyone points to is that the State Fair of Texas is not in the best area there in Dallas, right? And that that's what... And I put it out for the call your shot question. That was a lot of things that we got back with it. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'd want to be in that area of Dallas at night, which, okay, I understand that. 
Safety in numbers. Safety in numbers, and, you know, you beef up the police presence. I, I don't see why that issue couldn't be addressed, you know what I mean? Because that was, like, the number one thing people brought up. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, yeah, you don't want to be stumbling around uh, down roads that you don't know all hours of the night with nobody around. Totally agree with that. But, I mean, I, I at the end of the day, you got to trust adults to be adults, right? And to take care of one another and to travel in groups. And it's like whenever you're a little kid swimming, it's the buddy system. It's the same whenever you're at OU Texas, right? Absolutely. Just hopefully your buddy stays conscious <laughs> the entire time, which that's my, uh, my cons list. Uh, the, the number one thing I have on there is that we wouldn't get back at a reasonable hour. Teddy, yeah. you, you and I, we, we love the 11 a.m. kick because we can get home. We can still have a lot of our Saturday. But now that I think more about it, if it was a night kick, I would just stay in Dallas for another night and go out in yeah. Dallas. And yeah, that'd be awesome. It takes Time the pain up. out of that drive. It takes the worry about rushing to get on the road and worried about sitting in traffic. You just, you know, ahead of time that you're staying. So there you go. And, you know, with that being the case, whether you wanted to or not, it could be most people wouldn't, but it could be a drive down day of the game type of deal. If you wanted to go down and stay Saturday, if you could only stay one day, you could drive down day of the game and, and still have a good time and not have to leave at an incredibly early time. Did we just waste a bunch of time talking about this game being a night kickoff because we both know it's never going to happen and it makes me sad? I think, I think Joe C has said that, right? Yeah, I've heard him say it. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll take it a step further. I, I wish it was a night game, but I and people know how I feel about the Cotton Bowl. I wish it was a home-and-home. Home. I think Oklahoma gets robbed. How much money has been spent in the state of Texas over the – hundred plus years of this football game and Oklahoma gets none of it. We don't, we lose that home game every year. That's a lot of revenue for the city of Norman that that's gone. And I know we wouldn't, uh, we, I guess we lose a home game every other year. I, I wish that it was played at each other's campus personally. Do you really mean that? Mm -hmm. Man, I don't, it's know. awesome. I get it. I, I know great. it's awesome, it's but I have I've never awesome. even I I've always thought at some point like they'd do a big renovation of the Cotton Bowl and we'd get a taste of a home and home somehow like that would happen. I don't know if that'll ever happen. It'd be sweet, but I would love. I mean, can you imagine OU Texas and Norman? It'd be insane. It'd be nuts. Of course, it'd be awesome. Just like it would be in Austin. I mean, I've I've been around this sport for. Uh, 21 years, and I've never even seen Texas Stadium. Never even seen it. Never laid eyes on the stadium in person. So, and I know there's a lot of Texas fans that are the same way. Seen every stadium in in the Big 12 except for your biggest rivals. That's weird. It is weird, and it does it does take away one of the best parts of college fo football, and that is 
the campus atmosphere, right? When the campus is buzzing for a big game, like, but dude, I don't know. Fair. It's like, I feel like it would be one of those things where maybe we think we would want it and then we'd get it and we'd go to Austin for that game and we'd be like, ooh, we are surrounded <laughs> by all of these Texas people. I don't like this at all. I don't, I don't, that's one of those things I, I would have to experience it to kind of decide how, which one I liked better. I don't know. I know. And no one likes to hear that because you don't want to screw with tradition. The game's been there forever. That's how, that's how we want to keep it. And I get that. And, and I understand that that's what's going to happen, but I don't like shipping all of our money to Texas every single year. Not a fan. of. No, I'm with you there. I wonder, I wonder if there's, some financial component of that game might, that maybe we don't be. know about? There may be. There's so much. If you have any knowledge of that, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, at Ted Lehman, 11, at Gabe Iker. You'll find us on there. Okay, so for the call your shot question, Ted, threw it out there. You know, how would you feel about OU Texas being a night game? Would you like it? Why or why not? And our man K. Rich says, don't get me wrong. I love OU. I love OU primetime but I don't think a lot would make it to kick off with the darting princess day partying. And <laughs> I, so K rich thinks he thinks we're old. He thinks we don't know what the word darting means. God, that's suppressing. He put it, he explained it in a parenthesis. God day partying. Yeah. No shit. K rich. I know what the word means. <laughs> he says a 2 PM local kickoff would be the perfect time. It'd be even hotter at 2 p.m. I no. was about to say, he said would be because he's never been there for a 2 o'clock kickoff. Played in kickoff. one. Not great. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think that, yes, would there be a ton of drinking going on? Absolutely. But I think people would be able to handle themselves. I mean, we played in – I mean, I played in a national championship – in New Orleans against LSU with a ton of fans from both fan bases. And you can't, and that was a night kick. You can't party any more than you can on Bourbon Street, right down the street from the stadium. And I can't say that everyone handled themselves perfectly, but, you know, I don't know that anything horrible happened because of the drinking. I heard some bad stories about LSU fans, but. Every every OU fan that told me a story about an LSU fan, they were still alive That's to right. tell the story. That's right. So and I mean, lesson learned, OU fans apparently can handle their booze just fine on party night kickoffs. Love that. Okay. One other one comes from our man at I Kill Pop Tarts. He's back dead. <laughs> he says, I believe a primetime game between the two would do wonders for recruiting even though both teams don't have that issue as it is. Although from what I've heard, that area of Dallas at night is probably not the place you want to be roaming around. That seems to be the number one from all the responses we get. It's this, that area of Dallas, maybe not feeling like the safest place is people's biggest concern. But I, I agree with him. I Now I disagree with our man. I kill pop tarts. I think both OU and Texas could recruit a lot better. They could be recruiting like Alabama or Clemson recruits. Yeah. And that would, that sure. would do wonders, but let, let me ask you about this because we've had like a two thirty kick. I mean, that game is over at like six thirty. 
And I know people hang around at the fair for a long time after the game. And I don't know what time the fair closes, 10 o'clock, maybe later. I have no idea. But has it been an issue then with people hanging around at the state fair late? I mean, I haven't heard anything. They don't, I, they don't shuffle everyone out when the football game's over. Yeah, I so. haven't heard any, you know, horror stories about it. Have you? No, but I, I mean, I can imagine if you if you find yourself in the wrong spot, you know, it could be not where you want to be, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to FGTB, but first let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, FGTB, football guys, talking basketball. And I am going to preface this by saying, Ted, I know that this is a very stupid idea. This could turn out being awful, but I had an idea, and I thought you were the perfect man for it. So we're rolling with it. We're going to do it, and if it turns out to suck, we, you know what? This is what we'll do. We'll do it, and then after we do it, we'll be like, okay, was that terrible or was that decent? That's, that's okay. how we're going we're, we're gonna to grade this. ourselves in real time. So it was a relatively miserable season. For Oklahoma City Thunder fans, I think we all are glad that our collective suffering is over, but the end of the Thunder season coincides with one of Thunder fans' favorite things, and that is the end of the year press conference for Sam Presti, because every time this event rolls around, I feel like I'm gaining intelligence I'm learning new words. I'm getting smarter. So Sam Presti had his end of the year presser. He talked about how the season changed drastically when Shea Gilgis Alexander went down, but how Shea grew significantly as a leader. He talked about how the season became more about developing the young guys, whether it was Lou Dort, or Darius Baisley, uh, Teo Maladone, led the team in minutes, like all these things, even Poku. Poku even showing some development and how did you see the uh the hero's welcome Poku got back in Serbia when he went home I didn't I saw you whenever you put that up there I just had to laugh because I would rather keep that to the imagination uh a hero's welcome I feel like and this is not a shot at Serbia but I feel like he landed on the runway in a 
small airplane and there were tens of people there waiting on him <laughs> there i'll just i don't want to spoil it for you because you need to go look it up okay a mural is involved whoa okay yeah oh okay. yeah so uh I maybe like put that. some respect on Roman poku's name okay back to back to the stupid sam presti thing we're doing so you you see you hear all the comments or if you watch the video of presti and there's some deep quotes, Ted. I mean, he the, the man is a philosophizer. I mean, he is he, he's got depth. He's like an onion, many layers to this guy. But you, sir, are also a smart, insightful man. And I actually have people come up to me and when they talk to me about the podcast, they're like, you know what? Teddy's a lot smarter than I thought he was. I get that so much and i'm like i'll let him know I'll, I'll i don't know, know how to take that. that as a compliment or they thought he, i was just some dumb linebacker i probably maybe a little bit of both in there yeah there, maybe, there's probably a reason they say it to true. me and not to you but i guess <laughs> but i love it so you're a smart man you are so i picked out my three favorite sam presti quotes from the presser and I thought that maybe you could interpret or translate them and try to find the true meaning of what okay. Sam Presti was trying to say in these moments. Are, are, are you up to the challenge? Let's do it. Okay. The first one, development is a process, not an event. Okay. So with this one, he's saying one of two things. The first one is that, with development, there, there really is no like aha moment like we've arrived and we're there and we've made it. Like, like it's, it's a constant struggle. Uh, you've heard this 1% better every day, right? You're just constantly making improvement in small increments. And over time, you make up ground. And, you know, that, that's just it. It's a process. It takes a long time not an event. You don't just all of a sudden show up somewhere and you're better than you were before. It's a long drawn out event. So he was either saying that, or he was saying that development, development is a process, not a, an event, meaning they did not develop this year at all. <laughs> right. When, when you process. start trying to change the picture on something means that uh, maybe it didn't play out like you had hoped. Because I, I watched him say it, and it just made me think. I was like, development is a process, not an event. But isn't developing just a series of small events strung out over time, Ted? Am I going Sam Presti on Sam Presti right now? Uh, yeah. If Micro really events, perhaps? Sure, sure. Um, but not one yeah. big extravaganza. Right. I guess whenever you say an event, you're saying one event, but uh, sure it is. Life is a series of events, Gabriel. God, you're deep, man. You're so deep. Okay, next one. <laughs> this is as stupid as I thought it was going to be. So we're going to try the next one. Here we go. <laughs> this is Sam Presti speaking. So imagine the glasses. The very nice hair, everything. By the way, yeah, they I don't really call like him Sam, uh, Sam Thesaurus Presti for nothing. Okay, 
It's a, that's a sweet nickname. Let's, I mean, <laughs> let's be real. Okay. Here's the thesaurus. When we do get back to the postseason, we want it to be an arrival and not an appearance. Um, Your thoughts? It's all he's doing is churching it up to say that we want to compete whenever we get there. We don't just want to be there. We don't want to find ourselves there. We don't want to be happy that we're just in the playoffs. Whenever we get to the playoffs next, we want to feel like we are one of the teams that has a chance to make it to the conference finals. I agree. I think that's what he meant, but it also made me think like, okay, how long is this all uh, retooling, rebuilding, whatever word we're using now? Uh, how long is this thing going to last, right? <laughs> That's kind right. of a, when's the next time we're going to see this team in the playoffs because, hmm. Yeah. That's true. It could be interpreted as whenever he says, when we do get back to the postseason, we want it to be an, an arrival, not an appearance. That's his way of saying that we are trying not to get back to the playoffs for a long time. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I took it. Like, yeah, we're going to try to not do that so that we keep getting good draft picks. And then once we get back there, we're actually really damn good. That's kind of how I took it. But okay. Just wanted to make sure that uh, you've I been warned. The only one. You've been warned Thunder fans. This team will not find themselves making the playoffs in a play-in series, okay? That is not going to be happening. They're not doing that until they are ready to compete, baby. That's what the man said. Okay, last Presty quote, and this one may be the deepest, Dad. If someone is going to be predators, just like in any ecosystem, someone is going to be prey. That's just the way it works in sports. And in a system like the NBA. See, I wish I would have heard the context of this one. So I do like this game because I, I don't know if this is him. Um, I don't know if this is him maybe attacking the big market, small market thing a little bit. Um, if, this is talking about just just players and making rosters. So this one threw me for a loop a little bit here. If I, if I had to pick what I think it's about, I think it is like getting the guys experience. And whenever you throw these guys out there, you're either going to expose yourself as a predator, someone that can survive, or you're going to expose yourself as prey, someone that's not going to be able to survive in this game, which kind of eliminates um, quote number one, development is a process, not an event. <laughs> because if uh, you're exposing yourself to be either predator or prey, that sounds like an, an event to me. It does. It does <laughs> indeed, Ted. Also, the... Uh... Uh, I, I am now moving forward going to refer to the NBA, uh, the NBA ecosystem. So hopefully people don't get annoyed by that. Uh, I'm sure that'll go over well with our listeners. I, I did not have Presty on my bingo card saying ecosystem. And Ooh. 
that's a tough one. I think that may be the first time he's worked that in. And as far as I know, every single press con- press conference that he's ever given, there's been an intrinsic value in there. Did we catch one of those? There was definitely values. Values. I, I, I may have missed it, but I don't remember. I don't remember oh specifically hearing intrinsic values. Hmm. So your bingo card may have been off on that one as well. Dang it. Maybe, maybe the Thunder go after somebody in free agency. Hmm. Little, uh, little predator action. Eye on the prey, huh? Maybe so. If they can find themselves in the proper ecosystem and find a player that has some good intrinsic value, it may be a, a player there. Absolutely. Okay. What'd you think? It was dumb. There's no doubt it was dumb. But I think you, I think you nailed it. I like that. That was fun. That was good. That was good. Let us leave us a five star review. Leave us a comment, Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on there. Let us know what you thought of the should, uh, trans, have, translation segment. Should we have done it Jeopardy style? Did I should I have had to answer in a question form? Would that that would have better. <laughs> what is Presty talking about? ecosystem uh, what is ecosystems <laughs> i'm gonna say the nba ecosystem you know there's just a lot going on that god you'll throw out if you're if you're listening to this on your way to work throw out the phrase nba ecosystem today to one of your buddies and let me know how that goes because god you sound smart saying that you do I I actually listened to another podcast that was using the term ecosystems in it quite a bit recently. And so whenever I saw this, I, I, I got a little giddy. I was excited about that. Ecosystems, it's like the it's the thing now. All right. We'll change this. The Oklahoma breakdown. <laughs> now the Oklahoma ecosystem. Let's go. Okay. Football Do you ecosystem. own a business? Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatment for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or lower energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, as always, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, when Phil Mickelson wins a major at 50 years old, being the oldest to ever do it, which I guess 50 is the new 30 or 25 or whatever you want to throw it out there, 
Uh, I, I had to go golf and there was, there was a lot of places to go, uh, but I had to go with the patrons. I had to go with the crowd there, which by the way, it was awesome to watch a, a major again with big galleries, tons of people out there. Uh, they had some beverages. They didn't let us down in that regard. It was loud and it was fun, but there was none better than the exchange. Whenever Mickelson hit a drive left into the patrons and apparently whenever the ball went in over there. So I guess it's people's natural reaction. I don't know. It's Sunday of a major and I'm amazed that someone would reach down and grab a golf ball whenever it comes uh, down the fairway or down the, uh, the edge of the fairway. But anyways, I guess someone touched Mickelson's ball and dropped it and it moved. So when they're over there, they brought a, a rules official over and one of the young kid from the crowd is like, a lady grabbed it and then dropped it and it rolled down to where it is now. And they kind of were talking with the rules official about where to go and Mickelson started asking if he gets his club length before his drop and everyone started laughing. And I thought it was hilarious. One of the guys said it landed on a tee whenever it first rolled in there. (laughs) I thought that was great. It it was just a lot of fun to see them out there and having a good time. Um, Mickelson even got the, the Hank Aaron treatment after he hit that approach on 18, someone ran up and grabbed him him by the shoulders, dude. I was like, what are you doing? You never hug a man when he's holding a golf club. Okay. Never. That's a rule. That's a rule. But I, I had to go with that. I, I thought that was so much fun. That felt normal, right? That's the most normal sporting event we've seen in a year and a half. Yeah, it was, it was really fun to watch. Now it did lack some suspense, right? Yeah, I there, mean, there wasn't a ton of drama. I mean, Kepka didn't didn't get things going, didn't find it until it was too late. Louis Ustazen looked like he was going to have a chance here or there, and then would mess it up. I mean, yeah, Phil was you know just steady. That and approach on eighteen that was sweet because because Kepka had put it in there pretty decent, and if he made birdie and Phil made bogey you could have had a tie, uh, but Mickelson hit a great approach from the rough and, uh, you know, was able to two putt. And I saw your tweet. I think they would have stormed the green if he would have rolled that putt in. I if really do. The, those, those fans were having a good time. Did you, <laughs> did you see what Kepka said after? Uh-uh. So clearly like, and I don't, uh, Kepka doesn't seem like, you know, a stick in the mud, right? When right. it comes to like, he, he does all the stuff with the bar stool guys. Like he seems like he's a good time, right? He, he said that because the, the crowd was like, at one point it was like, are they going to lose control of this thing? Yeah, he was lost in there for a while. It kind of sounds like someone was like hitting him in the knee on purpose. Really? And the one he just had surgery on. I, I mean, the the quotes are interesting. I saw the interview and he he like didn't come out straight out and said he's like I don't know what if someone was trying to do something or what like he wow. he made it sound like someone was jacking with his surgically repaired knee, dang. Which 
uh, at that point, yeah, I mean, the golf crowd, you got to police yourself, man. Someone's yeah. messing with one of the golfers like that. You got to I was fight somebody, right? I was a you know, we've seen them do that before where they open up the the final fairway and let the crowd walk up behind the final golfers, but they they didn't wait on Kepka to get up there in front of that little line that they had and he basically crawled out from under it whenever he finally finally made his way up there on the green. So, yeah, that's that's nuts. I can't believe that. Yeah. Sounded like now I, he didn't straight up say that, but it's kind of what he was hinting at. I was like, damn, that's messed up. But also people may forget like hey, Kepka just didn't have it, right? Especially off the tee and the putter. Oh my gosh, the last last two rounds. He, yep. he just he, he couldn't make a putt, but he had knee surgery like two months ago yep. and just finished tied for second. And said that he, you know, and he he's been saying frankly that he's not can't even bend down to read putts yeah yeah it's but that course was was tough and we're used to that here that that type of wind but those pros did not like that that course is obviously really difficult as long as it was playing into some of those 15 20 mile an hour winds but that was crazy but that was fun man mickelson i asked whenever he was leading on thursday I asked a buddy, "Is like you think he's going to win?" He's like, "No way," which I was the same way. But I think that's what everyone said, and he just stayed right there, just hung out. Everyone else faded. Mickelson, this was more surprising than Tiger winning the Masters the other year to me because, like, it's not like Mickelson hasn't been playing, right? Tiger's whole thing was he was injured, like he wasn't playing, right? And then he came back and he flirted. He had a couple of nice wins there in the season prior. Like he, he was as long as he could stay healthy. It's like he was hanging around. Yeah. Mickelson, like falling out of the top hundred in the world golf rank. He's like, he had been playing. He'd just been playing poorly. Yeah. So, I mean, what was he like? 301 to win this. Whew. And you know, he bet on himself. Oh, you hell know yeah. he bet on himself. Oh yeah. And he, doesn't no throw, he doesn't throw down a couple hundred bucks either. Yeah. I think that is uh, well documented at this point. The lefty likes to uh, likes to have some action going. So I, I will say what the the one other thing that I cannot get over about the PGA Championship, they kept putting up the list of the oldest players to ever win a major, and there was some guy from the eighteen hundreds, old Tom Morris. I can every time they showed that picture, I was dying laughing. I was like, "Oh, how to get that nickname?" <laughs> like he he looked like he was ninety years old, and he was I like, know. "He was forty six when he won." You're like, "There's no way that guy was forty six. I think he had to wait fifty years before they invented cameras to be able to put it on a, a actual film. Uh, that was funny though. I saw the same thing. I was like, "What? Well, what is that guy? Does not look like your typical golfer." Old Tom Morris, the legend, the legend. Okay, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh, I had to go with LeBron. Mm. The guy, I'll just tell you right now, I'm not a LeBron fan. But I will say this. He may be the single greatest athlete in the history of this planet. 6'8". 265 to 275 pounds. I don't know. It varies from, from what people say. 
He can run. He can jump. He's strong. He's he's got great eye hand coordination. I mean, he checks every single box. He could. I I believe that he could legitimately, if if he wanted to, switch over. And maybe not now because he's older, but he could have been a tight end or a DN in the NFL. I firmly believe that. He could have. He could have been a probably the greatest soccer goalie in the history of the sport, never to be tested again. I mean, he can do all of these things, but he just cannot get out of his own way. It's it's just one thing after another. You cannot be okay. It, I'm not even talking about the ditching the protocols and everything, and you know the, the tequila party him, with Drake, the, the tequila party, and the league. You know, basically giving him a pass. I expected that to happen, but I've I've. I'm tired of watching the greatest athlete in the history of the planet get blocked out by a point guard and go careening to the floor in a pile like he's a sixth grader. I saw, I think Westbrook did it to, no, it was Ibaka. Ibaka blocked him out one time on the block. He dove backwards and slid out past the three-point line. It was the most amazing thing that I've ever witnessed. I'm just he whenever he does stuff like this and he acts like he dislocated his shoulder and it's hanging out of socket and it's going to have to be surgically repaired. Like I can buy that it came in weird and you got something in your shoulder and it didn't feel good. But the antics just drive me crazy. If he just acted like a normal athlete, he would be loved by everyone, but he can't do it. He refuses to do it. It's amazing to me. I just, I don't know, man. That, I, that sequence in that game was so weird where campaign ends up like yeah. firing the ball and getting injected. I was like, what the hell is going on? The security comes out of like the stands. Like there was a melee or something like and guys weren't even, that was so weird. They fought over a loose ball. Well, after the whistle had been blown, you like knowing the, the whistle's blowing and the ball's like bouncing down the floor. They both like ran into each other trying to get the ball and it just, it set them off. It was crazy. Can't paint through the ball at Caruso like a little and kid. LeBron's he all got ejected upset. for it. Yeah. LeBron's all pissed off because he's laying in the floor on, on the floor. Like, you know, his leg got blown off by landmine or something. And he can't even get any attention because everyone's over there fighting and he's like rolling around waiting. on. He was looking like, where is everybody? <laughs> it's like, well, who's going to help me up? Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that, was such a, that was a weird sequence. Okay, guys, spring is here and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coupe Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool at the lake and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in the store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, let them know. Okay, Ted, my winner of the weekend, I thought about going with the Big 12 Conference because late last week, the conference payout numbers were released and despite what some people may think or say about the Big 12, it's doing pretty damn well, man. And 
it's only behind the Big Ten and SEC when it comes to payouts for the schools from the conference. And the Big 12 numbers that were released didn't factor in the third-tier rights money that they bring in because there's no Big 12 TV channel. So I know that maybe the conference doesn't have the best reputation out there, but the schools are making money, man. Yeah, they are. Um, everyone's making money. I, even though things were changed in a pandemic year, people still did okay. They weren't whole by any stretch because of uh, some of the stuff that went down. But um, TV money and stuff still came in with a pretty good number. So, yeah, Big 12 is – they're still doing good. And you also got to remember they've got the – they only divide it 10 ways, which helps them a little bit. So there's a little bit of a benefit to not having the huge conference, but yeah, they're, they're hanging in there. I also thought about going with Northwestern and Nebraska football players because it got announced that they're going to play their season opener in 2022 in Dublin, Ireland. I mean, could you imagine? And they were supposed to do it last year. I think it was maybe like Nebraska and I can't remember who they're supposed to play. But can you imagine? And I'm sure they'll go over. Notre early. Dame was supposed to play a game yeah. over there, weren't they? Yeah. Was it Notre yeah. Dame, Nebraska? Maybe they were supposed to play. Maybe. I don't remember who were supposed to play. But those guys, because they're going to go over there and they're going to get to spend several days before the game. Those guys are going to get so drunk. They're going to drink so much beer. Like, could you imagine that experience as a college football player? Like going over there couple days to enjoy it you're practicing maybe the practices aren't the most productive but then you get to play a game in ireland and hopefully go out after the game like that would that would be sick it'd be cool uh there's a lot of cool stuff to see over there little uh, little pub crawl would be awesome you better be careful over there though man uh that is soccer hooligans that is a rough area. Okay, uh, go to the go to the right spots. But that would be cool. I wonder what the turf is like. What because you played in London, right? What was it like over there when you played in London? I I am not a specialist when it comes to grasp uh, the, to grass breeds. Yeah, but it was very slick. It was slick, yeah. but we had long cleats. Like it wasn't terrible. Like people were falling a little bit, but it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, it's still grass. Yeah. No, that would be cool, though. I wonder if they change now that they play more football games in London. And I know this is in, this one will be in Dublin, but the other ones in London. I wonder if they have different grass because normally it'd be the soccer grass, right? And you on the soccer yeah. grass, you want the ball to roll nice. Yeah. So well, uh, you want it to be fast, so you would think it it it'd hold up pretty good. But yeah, but my winner of the weekend, Devin Booker. So Chris Paul suffers the weird shoulder injury early in the game uh, against the Lakers uh, when LeBron got that rebound over him. Uh, another tough break health-wise, it seems, for CP3, uh, and he was not good. After I, I'll give him credit. He came back. He battled, showed some toughness, but he barely dribbled the ball. He couldn't shoot the ball. He, he was kind of a liability out there for him, but – Devin Booker was fantastic and did what he had to do, put the team on his back, what, 34 points, a bunch of rebounds, some big-time shot-making from him. And one thing, he did a really good job. He got DeAndre Ayton involved in that game for the Suns. And how about how about Ayton outplaying Anthony Davis 
in that game. Like, wait, what? Yeah, they look good, man. I, and I don't know what CP3's situation, how bad he's going to be. But, man, we saw Booker, and he went on that run the end of last season. Everyone was like, wow. And that's how I was. And he's carried that over. They came out of nowhere. I mean, they were bad. And just like that, Teddy had texted me and told me that his computer was about to restart. So we'll get right back to that when his computer is done reloading. Teddy's computer has rebooted, restarted. Hey, uh, everything, everything good to go? We're good. You got to love technology, man. Hey, I'm virus-free, though. That's, that's the good thing. Hey, that's all that matters. That's, that's all, all that matters. matters. But uh, just finishing up on that Suns-Lakers game, I I was impressed by DeAndre Ayton, and the, the Suns do. They looked apart, but I, I think how it, it'll be interesting to see how CP3's health moving forward affects the rest of the series. It, it, if he's not right, I don't know if – then you kind of have to start leaning toward LeBron James and Anthony Davis because I, I don't expect Ayton sure. to be able to do that to Davis every game, but – it, it looks like it's going to be a great series, and that's really all I care about. I just want to be entertained. Yeah, we're close to the uh, Lakers and the Clippers dodging each other again, right? They're going to they're just going to put it all the way. They just, they're so adamant on not playing each other, they're just going to wait until next year, I guess. But a uh, couple of good early series that maybe you didn't expect. The turnaround from the Suns has been amazing. It really has been. And I, I'll say that late in his career, Chris Paul has really, really showed – his value on a couple of teams that were uh, would not have been very good without him. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that these last two seasons, I I think it's significantly altered how people are going to remember Chris Paul as a player. I really do. For sure. I know it's changed the way I feel about him significantly. Right. And then it, it probably has a lot to do with one of those years being with the thunder, but I mean, he went to Phoenix and look, look at him. I mean, they're, yep. they're playing good basketball. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, I hope he's all right because I think that'll be a really fun series. Okay, my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with Jaden Blue. He's the high school running back that announced he will opt out of his senior year of high school football in order to start preparing for his career at Texas. I, I thought about roasting him. And then I was like, you know what? He's a kid. And I'm actually really intrigued to see how this ends up working out for him. And if it ends up working out for him, does this become more of a thing? Now, I don't think it'll there'll ever be a bunch of high school seniors just abandoning their senior season of high school football, but there could be a few kids every year that may do this, Ted. And I'm sure you love this. Well, I got to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. Number one, I cannot imagine not playing my senior year of high school football. It was the greatest three or four months, however long that is, probably of my life. It's the most fun. You know, for me, I went to a small school. So the guys I graduated with are the guys I went to kindergarten with. It's, you know, we played Little League together, we played junior high together. Same exact guys. And to finish it off your senior year is special and it means a lot. And it's, and it's a fun ride. Um, 
So I couldn't imagine missing that. On the other side of it, you know, I, I do have to, to look at it and say, well, if you've already got a scholarship, you know, it, it's not, it's, it's not guaranteed until the ink hits the paper. Now, People will honor it like if you were to have some type of catastrophic injury. Some places will honor it, but that's not a guarantee. And it is interesting. And I'd be more interested to hear what the Texas coaching staff says about it. And I would guess that he would have that conversation with them before making that decision, right? Yeah. They, and if they, they're okay with it, then... Yeah, they said they were aware of it aware of his plan. So I, I kind of think it's smart. I mean, he plays running back and when, when the draft rolls around, what are we always talking about? Hey, it's great to not have a a ton of tread off the tires, right? Like I, I I don't know. Of course he's going to go to Texas, right? Of course that's, it just had to be that way, but it's, it's a, it's a business decision, right? That's yeah. the way I view it. It's a business decision. Yeah. So whenever you think about it, he's going to have, let's say his, his high school last high school football game he played was December of 2020. Right. So he's going to have, uh, obviously to December of 21 for a full year, of strength and conditioning work, working on getting bigger, faster, stronger. And then he's going to have, I don't know if he's an early arrival, but you'd have spring ball, but that doesn't really beat you down like a season. So he's got until September of 22. Okay. That is almost three years of, or what would that be? Two. It's so you'd have what it's two and a half years of just straight strength and conditioning. And the the thing that sucks about football is you you work really hard to put on a bunch of muscle, speed, strength, and then you go play a three-month season and it tears it all down. Your body is beat down and you you know you take two steps forward, one step back. I mean, he could just focus on getting bigger, faster, stronger and Depending on his level of coaching, I, I don't know where he goes. Maybe he goes to a really good school with really good coaches. But a lot of times, you're just continuing to learn habits, muscle memory for drills that do not carry over. And you maybe learn bad habits that you're going to have to readjust uh, and forget about those when you get to college. So I want to hammer it. I want to say you're a football player, go play football, but I don't necessarily know that it's a, a bad thing. Right. And I hope it doesn't start some, some, um, you know, big push of guys opting out of their senior year. But here's the thing. He's not going to play. Someone's going to play running back for his high school. So a kid that wasn't going to get a chance and probably isn't going to be a D one player and may have had to sit behind him for a year and he was a senior too and would have been a backup. Now maybe he's a starter, gets to play a year of, of high school football. Look at Jaden Blue helping out his buddies. Look at him go. I it's I I'm clearly we're we're gonna keep keep track of this kid. I mean he is going to Texas, so 
Uh, maybe maybe he turns out being the guy. And yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be gonna be interesting to see how it goes. Okay, I also thought about going with people that were all worried when OU softball was down four to nothing to Wichita State, and including the announcers, they were like, they should have taken them more seriously. They should have thrown their pitcher, like all this stuff. And oh, it ended up being twenty four to seven Sooners <laughs> advance to the Super Regional. There was a lot, a lot of people freaking out over a whole lot of nothing. Ted, I was like, this is funny. When the, when the announcers were saying that, I was like, guys, they're they're going to, once they get the bats in their hands, I mean, you're, you're going to forget about this. Why are you making it such a big deal? And boom, <laughs> what they put yeah. an eight piece on them in the second. Yeah, I think that is, well, give, I give Wichita State a, a lot of credit. Pretty it came out good, team. man. Yeah, uh, that, that's a, that's a, a, a solid softball team. So, um, it was it was interesting to see that, and I think it just shows you how much better Patty Gasso knows her team than everyone else. Like we see the ranking, we see the all of the accolades, we see everyone's statistics, we see the records that they've broken. But whenever we watch them play, it's like, oh, I don't know. Like uh, it's kind of close. Should they be doing this? Do they have the pitching? And Patty Gasol's like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, we'll, we're just gonna, we're gonna roll out a couple of pitchers, let him get some experience here early on. We'll be okay. She's just, she knows that softball team really well. And here's the thing, um, I could see where maybe they'd get put in some serious trouble there with some pitchers that they haven't started a whole lot this year, but they ain't losing twice to Wichita State. So nope. So they're. They're going to be okay. Yeah. So, congrats to OU softball. It was awesome. Like, it was great to watch, though. It's like Patty Gasso knows what she's doing. But my loser of the weekend, and oh, it feels good to say it, the Los Angeles Clippers, baby. <laughs> I, I have found my favorite thing about the NBA playoffs, and that is cheering against the LA Clippers. It is so I have turned into a Mavericks fan because I still haven't let it go dead. I, I still haven't let <laughs> the Clippers lose it on purpose and costing the thunder, the best lottery odds. I, I haven't let it go and I'm not letting it go. So it was so satisfying watching them lose to the Mavericks this weekend. Luka Doncic. I told you he was going to give them that work. He gave them that work 31, 10 and 11. For Luca and maybe the best thing about the Clippers losing was the Kawhi dunk and the meme that followed because Kawhi absolutely posterized Maxi Kleba. Like it, it was an awesome dunk. It was a great play. The reaction from Paul George and I think what was uh, I think it was Marcus Morris was it was fantastic. It was a great sports moment. But the Clippers and their fans can't even enjoy it because everyone knows that the game it happened in they lost so every time someone posts that picture for the rest of eternity there will be people under it going didn't they lose that game they lost that game you know they lost right and that makes me so happy daddy it makes me so happy that they can't enjoy it hopefully it's uh oh yeah that was game one of the series they lost to dallas after they tried to dodge the lakers right 
I'm with you. Give me Dallas and Phoenix all day. Now, the chances of that happening, I understand, are slim and nil. But I'm pulling for it. I would love to see that. Give me, yeah. give me some new blood in the finals. Give me some new blood in there. That would be awesome. I, I don't expect the Clippers to shoot so poorly from three and for Dallas to shoot so well from three. Uh, but I hope it happens. Yeah. I, I still think the Clippers are going to win the series. I think they got the better team. But I am going to thoroughly enjoy roasting the Clippers while I can because they tempted the basketball gods with what they did, Ted. And hey. maybe maybe the basketball, basketball gods will spite them. Never again. I hope so. I would love that. That'd be awesome. They lost it. I wonder if they were like, maybe we should have worried about ourselves a little more than worrying about avoiding the Lakers. Oops. I mean, maybe we should have been a little more focused on our on ourselves. Hmm. Something I wish about. they were probably just laughing about that dunk in the locker room. Just celebrating it. Yeah. Just like that would be a very oh, clippers thing to do. We're going to beat them 4-1. It doesn't matter. That was a great dunk. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was an awesome dunk. But for all of eternity, every time someone posts that picture. Playoff loss. Loss. Hold this L, bro. <laughs> so to say. And on that note, episode 114 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. And you can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.